0: Good to be back together this evening for to close the Lord's Day together. We'll um, be continuing the study that was begun a few weeks ago, called "The Shadows of Christ," in which your pastors are looking at select scriptures throughout the Old Testament, in which in the Old Testament, in which we see the Lord Jesus revealed in, in one way or another. And I trust that you can see from these passages that they do speak of Christ. And, and it's, it's not just to show us the prophecy that Christ is coming, but it's help us to better understand who Jesus is and what he has done. They, they are rich passages that, that teach us about Christ and his work. They show us the rich, rich texture of who Jesus is and why he came what he has done for sinners, and how his accomplished work and his ongoing ministry makes a difference in your life and in mine. I, perhaps this has already been noted. We were not able to be here last Sunday as we were traveling to visit missionaries, our missionaries down on the U.S.-Mexico border. Um, but perhaps it's already been mentioned by one of the pastors that that the the texts that we are examining in this this sermon series are... Are, it's not intended to be an exhaustive list of all of the Old Testament scriptures that speak of Christ. No, certainly. They are um, just selected passages, or perhaps some of the more prominent ones, the more significant ones. And, and they're signposts, if you will, will to, to help us see Christ, to, to point to Christ, to say, here is Jesus, get ready, he's coming, and here's a little picture of what he'll be like. This evening we'll be reading from a passage in Deuteronomy 18, and if you have an ESV Bible like mine, you may have headings over certain portions of the the chapter. And and the headings in my Bible, and probably in yours, um, speak of, first, the provision for priests and Levites, secondly, abominable practices, and finally, a new prophet Like Moses. Those are not the the points of my sermon. I just point that out because there's there's a variety of things that are dealt with in this chapter. And I want to pick up with our reading, starting with verse 9. And I hope you'll understand as we go along why we want to understand this context of that first section. My points are these simply, prophet, great prophet, greatest prophet. Consider these as points like signs that you might see along the highway. Perhaps you've been driving down the road and and sometimes a billboard is busy with a lot of words on it. Sometimes it will just have one word on it. So imagine you're driving down the road and you see one sign that all it says is profit. You drive a few hundred yards further and you see a sign that says great profit. And you're wondering, okay, where's this going? And then a few hundred yards more, you see a sign that says greatest profit and you wonder, Okay, who is that greatest prophet? This text, I think, helps to build the anticipation of the greatest prophet. And I trust you'll see that as we go along. So before we read God's word, let me pray and seek God's blessing upon the reading and preaching of his word. Let us pray. God, we need you. We thank you that you have given us your word, that it is sharp and powerful and quicker than any two-edged sword. And so, Lord, we pray that you would do your work through your word tonight. And as we consider the prophet Moses, and the greatest prophet, the Lord Jesus, open our hearts to receive your word, and help us to better understand you, Lord Jesus, what you have done for sinners, and we ask this in the mighty name of Jesus, amen. We'll begin reading in verse 9 of Deuteronomy 18. And when you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you... ...you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of these nations. There shall not be found among you... ...anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering... ...anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens... ...or a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer... ...or one who inquires of the dead. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord... And because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. For these nations, which you are to dispossess, listen to fortune tellers and to diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do this. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. that he shall speak in my name. I myself will, re- will require it of him. Amen. And we praise God that he has spoken to us in his holy and inerrant word. This passage that we have before us in uh, this evening that we have just read is is one of the first mentions of the word prophet in this in, uh, translation of scripture that, that we have before us, that we just read. While there are earlier references, this passage is the first ...which gives us some details on the office of the prophet. And that is what we want to consider under our first point. Really, what is a prophet in a general sense? Our second point will help us to see the significance of Moses as the first in a long line of prophet... ...that he is the first and foremost prophet of the Old Testament. And then finally, we'll see how Christ is the fulfillment of this office... ...and is God's final prophet. So what is a prophet? What were the prophets in the Old Testament? I was taught in seminary, I think this is a helpful phrase, that the prophets were covenant mediators. They were covenant mediators. The covenant, of course, is the, is the means by which God has condescended to speak to us, to communicate with us. And, and by covenant, he has established his relationship with mankind, our confession says this distance between God and the creature is so great that although reasonable creatures do owe obedience unto him as their creator, yet they could never have any fruition of him as their blessedness as a re- and reward, but by some voluntary condescension on God's part, which he has been pleased to express by way of covenant. That's from chapter 7 of, of the Westminster Confession of Faith we see that God in his mercy has condescended. He has come down. He has communicated with his creation. And he has done that, established that relationship by means of a covenant. There was a covenant with Adam, of course, that was broken by our first parents' sin. A covenant with Abraham in which he was promised a seed, a land, and many blessings. A covenant with Moses and the people at Sinai. All of which pointed to the fulfillment of All of the covenants and the the great covenant fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And under the Old Testament, we see that there are stipulations of the covenant that you read in the law, in the Pentateuch, that the prophets sought to enforce. They were like covenant lawyers. When people would break the covenant, they they would charge them in a sense. They would say, here you have broken God's law. You are not doing what God has said. And in a sense, they are bringing charges from God against the people when they stray from the covenant. They spoke for God. Their their signature line was, thus saith the Lord. They brought the word of God to the people of God. They called God's people back when they strayed from the covenant. They were the go-between, the mediator of God's word to the people. And they were uniquely called. We see in the, 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 of the three offices, prophet, priest, and king in the Old Testament. The priests, of course, were, were called because they were of the priestly line, of the, of the tribe of Levi, of the priestly families. It was a family uh, line of succession. Kings were similar in, in that typically it was the son of a king who then became the, the king that took the throne upon the death of his father. ...but not so with the The prophets. They were particularly called. We see that with with Jeremiah. He was the son of of a priest in the land of Benjamin... ...and God spoke to him and called him to be a prophet. Ezekiel was a priest in the land of Babylon... ...during the captivity when God called him. Some of the prophets were priests. Some of them were shepherds. Some were willing and some, like Jonah, ran from God... ...when God placed his call upon him before he finally turned around and brought the word of judgment to the Ninevites. They were uniquely called by God. It was God who took the initiative to call them, to raise them up at a time when the people were straying from the law of God. Occasionally, they spoke to surrounding nations, as we just said, about Jonah... But typically, it was to the people of Israel, or after the kingdoms were divided, to the kingdom of Judah or to Israel, that the, that the prophets spoke. They spoke primarily to God's people. Now, it's interesting to think about this text. We have to think about it in its context. And, and because we're, we're kind of moving around and kind of parachuting in to different texts of the Old Testament, we have to understand the context of, of where we are. We're obviously in the book of Deuteronomy. The the name Deuteronomy means the second giving of the law. And while some books of the Bible, um, Exodus, for example, cover a period of of many years. Genesis, of course, covers thousands of years. Um, But but Deuteronomy is different. It's primarily a speech that Moses gave at the end of the wilderness wanderings right before they went into the promised land. And he is reminding them of God's law. He's he's giving them God's law again. He's he's saying, here is what you need to remember as you go into this land that has been promised you. He, of course, is is getting ready to die. And we read about his death and and how God buried him at the end of of Deuteronomy. He was 120 years old. 80 years of his life were either lived in a palace... ...or in isolation in a desert fleeing for his life. God called him when he was 80. And then the final 40 years of his life have been leading these complaining children of Israel through the wilderness. And here he is, he himself is going to be forbidden from entering the promised land... ...but he's giving the law once again to God's people... Previously, God had spoken to the patriarchs directly. We read about God speaking to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. But now, these hundreds of years later, the the, the, the people, the children, the descendants of Israel number in the hundreds of thousands, over a million, I'm sure, in, to, in total. So, so they, they did not receive God's word directly. They needed it brought to them. They needed it mediated to them and they they need to hear the god's word and 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 they're aware of that the text we read spoke of how at sinai they were afraid of god and they said to moses we we don't want to hear god he is speaking in in thunderings and lightnings and and we need someone to bring god's word to us they recognized their need and it's, we, we read in Exodus 20 the account of that, that when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled. They stood far off and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. And Moses tells them that, that God has come near to test them and, and that Moses then drew near to the thick darkness where... God was. They, they faced their own sinfulness in light of God's power and holiness. And the fact that God there established Moses as a prophet is highlighted in our text. Moses was the one then that drew near to the mountain. Moses was the one then that received God's words. He received the ten words, the ten commandments. And, and while the book of Deuteronomy does look back upon this giving of the law it also looks forward in giving warnings to the people and that is why we read verses 9 through 14 to give us the context of what they were going to face and it says he says basically when you come into this land beware these people are wicked you're going to see things that'll make your toenails curl that's not in scripture, of course. But but this is bad stuff. These are wicked people. This is why I'm driving them out, in a sense, God says. He says, Don't burn your son or daughter as an offering. Don't don't follow those who practice divination or tell fortunes or who are a sorcerer or charmer or medium or necromancer. The the Canaanites actually thought that they could appease the gods by giving of their children to to as a sacrifice to these gods and 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 they thought it would bring blessing and 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 health to them but but no the 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 current residents of the land of Canaan these these wicked people will be punished by God they will be driven out now we in 21st century America think that we're pretty sophisticated we we think, well, we're above these barbaric practices. But I appreciated what O. Palmer Robertson, Robertson wrote about this text. He said, it might be assumed that modern man has gone, gotten well beyond these ancient brutalities. Yet the widespread practice of abortion, particularly partial birth abortion, may not be far from those earlier ways of sacrificing children in order to satisfy personal desires. An effort to determine the course of the future by abominable actions contrary to the will of God, lies at the root of the modern practice just as much as it did in ancient days, end of quote. May God have mercy upon us, because we can look kind of down our nose at these wicked people, but we see the abominations occurring in our own nation, and we have to say sometimes it feels like we're not that far away from the Canaanites in that time. But God, by the mouth of the prophet Moses, is both warning the people to avoid those things and telling them, in contrast to that, I will speak to you by the prophets. You don't need to try to gain favor of the gods, plural, the the little g-gods. The true and living God will speak through my prophets, through my servants. God speaks through his prophets. And that brings us to our second point, the great prophet. That, of course, is Moses. Moses stands at the fountainhead of prophetic activity in Israel. Now, you may not initially think of Moses as a prophet. We see that, that he was the, the, the deliverer of God's people. He, are, he is the one that, that led them out of bondage, out of slavery, into the land or Actually, up to the land of promise and then handed the reins over to his servant Joshua to, to bring them into the land. But Moses was the great leader, but he was a prophet. And our, our text here points to that and we'll consider it with some other texts as well. We saw how the people cried out in fear, recognizing that they needed a prophet. They needed a mediator. And this is reiterated in Deuteronomy 5 where where we see the, the, um, the re-quoting, in a sense, of Exodus 20, the giving of the law. Moses summoned all Israel, it says, And he said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and the rules that I speak in your hearing today, and you shall learn them and be careful to do them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb. Not with our fathers did the Lord make this covenant, but with us, who are all of us here alive today. The Lord spoke with you face to face at the mountain, out of the midst of the fire, while I stood between the Lord and you at that time to declare to you the word of the Lord. That's what a prophet does. For you were afraid because of the fire, and you did not go up into the mountain. And again, reminding them of what they have said and the fear that they experienced. So Moses was there. He was God's prophet to convey God's word ...to them. That need is established there at Sinai. The people recognize God's awesome holiness... ...they recognize their sinfulness... ...and they cry out for someone to bring God's word to them. And Moses is established here as God's prophet. He stood between the Lord and the people at that time. But his role was challenged as a prophet... I don't know if you remember the story from Numbers 12 when actually it was his sister Miriam that brought accusation against him. And instead of him being demoted as God's prophet, he was, his office was actually more firmly established in that account. We, we read that, um, that initially Miriam brings the accusation against him concerning his wife, saying, I don't like the fact that you married this Cushite woman. But we, we see cl- quickly that there's something else behind her, her um, complaint. And if you, if you consider the grammar, it seems that, that Miriam is carrying the conversation. And she is the one that is punished in the end, as we'll see shortly. Her real complaint seemed to be that, that, it, was God that it was that God only spoke through Moses... She asked, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And you probably, ima- you might imagine, well, we, you know. Now, they didn't actually grow up in the same home because Moses, of course, was, was, was brought into the house of Pharaoh. But, but she probably thought, look, we're on, we're on equal terms here. You're not so great, brother. Why are you getting all the glory? Why does God only speak Through you, Moses was an ordinary man. He was subject to fits of rage, we saw, when he saw his brothers being beaten. He grew angry and exasperated with the complaining of the Israelites. Yet, he is God's man. He is called by God. You read about that in Exodus 3, where he saw the burning bush, and and God clearly placed his call upon him, as he did with other prophets. But here in Numbers 12... His, his calling is only more firmly established as a prophet. She, Miriam complains against Moses, against his prominence as the spokesman of God. And, but Moses doesn't have to defend himself. God comes down in a pillar of cloud. Talk, talk about a come to Jesus meeting. He, Moses and... Aaron and Miriam were all three called to the tent of meeting and this cloud came down and God spoke to them and said this. Hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. But then he says this. Listen to this. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth, clearly and not in riddles. And he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. And then we read how God brought judgment upon Miriam. She became leprous immediately, and she remained a leper for seven days. Moses Moses prayed fervently for her, and God said that she would remain a leper. And she remained outside the camp for seven days as a leper, as God's punishment upon her. What a solemn reminder and what a a vivid picture and and how God even more firmly established Moses as his prophet. And it is further affirmed, quickly we'll look at the final words of, of the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 34 where it says, And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Again, that phrase... That God said in Numbers 12, none like him for all the signs and the wonders of the, that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land, and for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. And remember, as we read this morning, it was Moses along with Elijah that appeared. On the Mount of Transfiguration, when, when the disciples, the three disciples who were with Jesus, saw Christ's glory revealed on the mountain. There it was Elijah and Moses speaking with Jesus. Moses is the spring from which all of biblical prophecy flows. He's the original. He's the starting place. It was Moses who received the law, who was the first to stand between God and the people and to bring God's word to the men and women of Israel. So we've seen how God has raised up prophets. We've seen how God did exalt Moses to this significant place. And and he became the fountainhead of prophecy to the people of Israel. He was the one that forged the way and set the example to the following line of biblical prophets. However, we're still waiting. That sign is still out there. Greatest prophet. Who is that? Who is that that our text is dealing with this morning? Well, we must first recognize that the English translation helps us to see that it is one prophet. Now, in a a human sense, there was a line of men that came after Moses that were prophets. But this is looking for one prophet. Who is that one prophet that God will raise up? We know it's not Moses. The, The passages clearly say that he will be like Moses. He will be one from among their brethren... He will be like Moses, but he will be greater. He will be a true prophet. He will clearly speak God's words. He will be invested with divine authority. And there's a stern warning to all who would ignore that later and greatest prophet, his words. And and why was the prophecy of Moses and then later prophets not enough to bring God's word to the people? Why, why did we need to wait for that greater prophet? Well, you see that, that while, um, while Moses was the original covenant mediator to the people, yet, and he, he did faithfully bring God's word to God's people, yet he could never fulfill the, the basic principle of the covenant, and that was this, where God said, I will be with you, and you will be my people, and I will be your God. Moses couldn't be God. He he couldn't deliver on that promise. Now we know that that God did dwell in the tabernacle. And his presence filled his house. And so there was a sense in which he was there. But yet there was an intimacy of fellowship that, that was not yet fulfilled. And that could not be fulfilled by the great prophet Moses. And that's why... Jesus came. He he came to dwell with us. He came to tabernacle with us. He came to fulfill that intimacy of fellowship that the covenant promised. Christ is that greatest prophet. And Christ proclaims God's word. Christ executeth the office of a prophet, it says in our uh, shorter catechism, in revealing to us by his word and spirit the will of God for our salvation. Jesus, too, speaks a word. However, his prophetic formula is not... ...thus saith the the Lord. His formula is this. Truly, truly, I say unto you. That's the word of the greatest prophet, Jesus. He comes with his own authority. He comes with divine authority because he is God. He is the word. He is the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. And as Moses suffered for and interceded for the people, so Jesus suffers and even lays down his life for his own. Our text that we've read this evening is quoted by a great sermon by Peter in the book of Acts, where he says in chapter 3, quoting Moses, the Lord will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you, and it shall be that Every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaimed these days... You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. He's, he's connecting the covenant with Abraham to the line of prophets, and he's, he's pointing out that Christ is that greatest prophet, that pro- Christ is the fulfillment of this text that we have before us. And it says in verse 26 of, of Acts 3, God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you, by turning every one of you from your wickedness. He inserts that word servant in there. He's not just a prophet, but he's a servant. He's pointing them back to Isaiah 53, the the suffering servant. That is who the greatest prophet is. He is also the suffering servant of Isaiah 53. Moses and Jesus were both faithful over the house, over the the people of God. That's, That's what that that word is referring to there. But while Moses is great, Jesus is greater. And the author of Hebrews helps us see that in chapter 3 and points out that every house must have a builder. And ultimately, God is the creator, the builder of everything. It says in Hebrews 3, 6, Moses was faithful in the house that God gave him, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house. The We are the house of God. We are the people of God. If indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. Christ is the builder of the house. He is the creator of the house and the ruler of the people of God. And not only does he bring God's word, he is the embodiment of that word. He's the greatest prophet that's been raised up. And it is to him we shall listen. And that's what our text tells us. And that's what was spoken from the Mount of Transfiguration that we read this morning. Where the voice came from the cloud that said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. That's what Moses told the people in the text. It is to him you shall listen. And then in verse 19, whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. Peter quotes this again in Acts 3 and even strengthens the language of it. And he says, you shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. I think we need to listen to the greatest prophet, the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we close, I ask you, are you listening to Christ? Are you heeding the words of the Lord Jesus Are you reading his word that he has given to us? Are you listening? Are you obeying? He has invited us to come, to draw near to him. If if you are here and are outside of Christ and do not know him as your savior, he invites you to come. He he invites you to, to confess your sins, repent and trust in him completely for salvation. Perhaps you have wandered from the greatest prophet, but he still speaks a word of hope. He invites and commands us to hear, believe, and obey his words. Will you listen to him and heed his words today? Let us pray.